0: When I walked in, I thought, this is a house I like the look of. It's, uh, it just looks nice. It looks like a nice place to live. Seemed like a good thing to do, to be involved in saving energy. And uh, in a house, it's really a political statement in itself.
1: I wasn't sure whether I'd really like it, but um But Gregory found I was getting more and more interested, and more and more excited at the prospect of just seeing how it would all work.
2: Helen and David Croker have recently moved in as tenants to a house that's an environmental landmark. It was designed by world-leading green architects Brenda and Robert Vale. Their vision to build an urban home as self-sufficient as possible in heating, electricity and water. Their chosen site, the small town of Saville, just 10 kilometers from David Pickle's energy agency in Newark. A lovely piece of serendipity, um,
3: the Vails. Professor Brenda and Dr. Robert Vail bought a plot of land within the district and built their home. And they built their home to autonomous standards and they also built their home to zero heating standards. What really impressed me about the Veils is how um, ordinary the house looks, and yet, environmentally, it's
2: extraordinary. The house has no central heating system at all. Its orientation and design maximise passive heat gains from the sun. Super-insulation prevents the heat from escaping.
1: Basically the sunlight is the main thing that warms the house and during the day when the sun has warmed up the conservatory, we open up the windows upstairs in the conservatory and the doors downstairs. So the cool air comes out of the house and the warm air from the conservatory goes into the house and that's generally been enough for our needs. That combined with the fact that the body temperature of the people within the house and the cooking, if we have the oven on, that warms the house up too. All those things have really been enough to keep the temperature nearly always above 20 degrees inside the house.
2: The wood-burning stove provides occasional backup heating when necessary.
1: Since we've been here, we've had the wood stove on four times, I think. It was more because the weather was grey and dreary and we felt like it would be nice and comfortable and cosy to have it on. The temperature hadn't really dropped below 19 degrees inside. And... Um, So we probably
3: could have got by without it. It's a maintenance manager's dream to have a housing stock with no heating systems. because if you actually look at the way your budget is spent, it's replacing boilers, it's repairing boilers, it's servicing boilers. You think of all the pumps and the valves and the pipes and the leaking radiators. Simplifying the hardware in the house is a big long-term cost benefit.
2: Converting solar energy to electricity requires advanced technology, a 15,000-pound array of photovoltaic cells. It's connected to the national grid to export excess electricity or import it when required. In practice, how independent is it possible to be from a mains electrical supply?
0: But we're net importers of electricity. The main requirements are for heating the water, and the stove uh, has a big requirement. Other uh, uses are low consumption or, or only used for short periods. The photovoltaic system produces a peak power, I think, between one and a half and two kilowatts on a midsummer midday. So we think that it makes a substantial contribution. In summer, it would uh, be potentially capable of providing all the hot water.
2: Unlike electricity, there's no backup water supply. What challenges does this pose?
1: The fact that we're relying on rainwater for all our water supply does affect the way we think about water. If it rains, we're happy, which is probably a bit unusual for England. We have to make sure that the water level in the collecting tank stays high, and that's why I have to tap it and check it to make sure that it's high enough. We have to be aware of what we use, which is much much more so than we would normally be.
2: Rainwater from the roof is filtered through sand before reaching the tanks in the cellar. On occasions, with the sand filter starting to clog up or
1: something, we've just got the water level too low and turn on the tap and nothing happens. So that's a bit disconcerting and you have to be aware that that's a possibility and keep on remembering to make sure the sand filter is full and running well and that that tank is at an adequate level.
2: Perhaps the most unusual feature of the house is the composting toilet.
1: The composting toilet system was one of the attractions of the house. The thought of all that lovely compost was one of the things that really did attract me. Uh, As far as using the toilets, there's really no difference at all, except that you don't have to flush. And when I go somewhere else now, I tend to forget to flush because (laughs) I've got used to not having to.
2: Liquid and solid waste collect in a large tank below the toilet.
1: Once every two weeks or so, you need to empty out the water, and that's fine. No problem at all with that. It doesn't smell. It's not nasty at all. It's just a very simple, basic procedure. The worst thing is once every two weeks you have to rake it out, level, which does induce a little bit of a smell. And then we shovel out the compost once every six months or so, and that's that's okay too. It doesn't smell. It's fine. It's just like lovely compost. <laughs> the water that comes out of the uh, composting system can be poured directly onto the trees or the hedges around the place, or onto the compost heap, or it can be diluted down one in ten to water the garden and the vegetables and the, and the pot plants and anything like that. We have friends who come and say, don't eat the vegetables. <laughs> I don't find that there's a, an enormous amount of work in operating the house. It doesn't intrude on the daily living, but it does make life just a little bit interesting, that you are interacting with the environment.
0: I feel a certain sense of responsibility not to consume too much. And uh, I feel pleased that uh, we, can, uh, we can live in a house that, uh, in some way, is setting the pace for energy saving.
2: Overall, the autonomous house uses only about a tenth of the energy of a conventional one. But given the cost of the extra space and equipment, it's not affordable to all. Nor would everyone be willing to commit to this degree of sustainable living.